Beat McKinley. Beat McKinley. Yeah. Beat McKinley. That came out wrong. You can cut it out. Or just end it before I even talk. That's better. Maybe that should be the opening. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of a hiccup in McKinley, so it sounded like I was questioning it. I wasn't questioning it. It was just it was a it was a hiccup McKinley? Yeah, it it wasn't great. Probably lose anymore. Beat McKinley. I I forgot. Who put the question mark on his cue card? (laughs) (laughs) He will read anything you put on that cue card. Shut up and sit down. And welcome to a special McKinley Week edition of the Black Swarm Podcast. Hank Piper here with Rob Antonell and a very special guest, the head coach of the Masson Tigers, Coach Nate Moore. How you doing, Coach? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Hey, anytime. Glad to have you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, McKinley Week, special time of the year in Masson, Ohio. Um, it's kind of a big deal. I, I would say it is, you know, slightly important. Yes. There. So, uh, yeah, well, let's get into it. Uh, first off, just like all our other guests, um, if we get like a short history of your football career as a player and a coach. Sure. Well, I played high school football at Mason High School. Um, graduated in 1999. Uh, from there, I went to the University of Dayton and played for Hall of Fame head coach Mike Kelly. Um, and when I graduated from Dayton, I started coaching at Chaminade Julian High School in downtown Dayton, Ohio, and I was coaching for a, a man named Jim Place, um, who is actually uh, a former Maslin resident, grew up in Maslin, grew up on 17th Street Northeast, and um, you know that was when I first decided that I wanted to be a head coach, was coaching for Jim. And seeing the impact that he had on kids and the people around him, and um, you know, I, 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 that's what I wanted to do. Um, so I, I coached for Jim for two years at, at Chaminade, and then he left and went to Hamilton High School, and I was at CJ for for one year without Jim, and, and then I followed Jim to Hamilton, and I coached for Jim at Hamilton for three years, and. After three years at Hamilton, Jim retired. So I thought, you know, now's as good as time as any to, you know, check things out and, and see about being a head coach. And I'd always kind of had the goal. Once I decided I wanted to be a head coach, I, I had the goal that I wanted to be a head coach before I was 30. Not for any, you know, real hardcore reason, just to set a goal, you know. And... um so I applied for a couple jobs and ended up getting offered uh, the job at Minster, Ohio, which is about an hour north of Dayton. Um, so I accepted the position and, and we moved to Minster. Uh, my wife and, and my son and, and very, very soon had a, had a little girl on the way as well and took over a program that um was one and nine the year before i got there and had just an amazing year with the with a great group of seniors and and we snuck into the playoffs at five and five and went on a little run and um played in the regional finals lost in the regional finals and um the next year I, i think we went seven and three 
and uh, the following year we went eight and two. So we went to the playoff all, all three years, lost to the state champion two out of those three, I believe, and, and so I had a really good run, a lot of good players. Um, and then my wife was working at St. Mary's Junior High, and um, they were they were going through a period where. Um, They needed a renewal levy, and you know, so they're looking at if the levy doesn't pass, there's going to be some cuts. And she was the last counselor hired, so you know, there's some things that that were, you know, uncertain, I guess, at that point. And figured if uh, and it's in kind of an area of the state where there's really not a lot of <clears throat> open teaching jobs generally. You know, people kind of they go there and they retire there, so there's not a lot of turnover and. So there's there, you know not a lot of opportunities necessarily, and so wanted to get maybe back to to a bigger city with more opportunities if she was going to lose her job, and so basically I looked at all the jobs that were open, and LaSalle looked like the best one. I figured if you're going to apply for a job, you might as well apply for you know the, the biggest cow out there, and. So I applied for the job and, and interviewed a couple times and um, ended up getting offered the, the job as a head coach at LaSalle and accepted it and went down there and um, had a rough first year. You know, we were three and seven um, and really, I mean, really a rough year. I mean, in a lot of ways, learned a lot. Learn a lot and, and and set out after that first year kind of on a mission to not to win a state champion but to fix the program. There's just so many things that were just broken inside the program. Not you know had nothing to do with you know what kind of offense we were running and you know stuff like that, but just so much inside the program that was broken. Um, and, and that's what kind of you know started the evolution that eventually led to a state title. In, in 2014 and great run a lot of great people great coaches you know great players and and then I get a call in February it was Martin Luther King Day and I get a call from Lee Owens asked me if I would be interested in the Maslin job and I right away I said yeah I would be would be interested for sure um, and so we talked a little bit and um, made arrangements to come up and visit and, and visited. And, and, you know, obviously there, there's, there's a lot of stuff to like. and um, But you, you eventually have to make a decision. And, and there's not a lot of time, you know. I mean, and this is a huge decision. And, you know, I knew I had a good team coming back at LaSalle. And, and really I had no reason to leave. You know, really good situation. But really, it's two things. Two things that that really, you, you know, stuck with me was number one. I thought if if I didn't accept the Maslin job, I felt like one day when I was on my deathbed, I I would regret it. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I'm kind of a gambler. And, 
you know, actually, you know, everybody that everybody that I talk to, every every college coach that I ask, you know, what do you what do you think? And everybody told me don't take the job. Everybody told me don't take the job. Said, you know, you've got way better players at LaSalle. Um, you've got a great situation, you know, you, you shouldn't take the job, but um you know, like I said, you know, Matt, the the name Maslin and, and the history and the tradition. I'm a history buff, anyways. That that really spoke to me, and um, yeah, I th- I thought I would always regret it if I didn't take the job. So it's really why I'm here. That's awesome. Um, just real quick, what uh, what'd you play, and you know, what you were a player, what position, and kind of. Did you coach all over when you got into it, or were you kind of on one side of the ball more than the other, or a position group, or what? In high school, I played on both sides of the ball. I played center and defensive end. At Dayton, I played right tackle. And, uh, you know, I started coaching. When I started coaching, I was an offensive line coach. And um, so my entire time as an assistant, I was an offensive line coach. Never coordinated. Um, and so then I get the job at, at Minster, and Minster's a great town. And I, I had I had a lot of really good guys. I didn't have didn't have a lot of really seasoned coaches that you could really rely on to be a coordinator. And so I thought you, you know, if if I coordinate the offense and and we when we're not very good on defense, you know the scoreboard can light up pretty quick. It could be out of a lot of games, but you know if I do the defense and and you know put that on my shoulders and you know I can still have a hand in the offense and you know kind of manage you know somebody else running the show over there. And so that's what I did, and uh, I learned a ton. I learned a ton um, on the other side of the ball. So I coordinated the defense at. At Minster, all three years I was there, and um, it's probably, you know, just from a pure coaching standpoint, X's and O's standpoint, probably the best decision I ever made. So, as a player, you're on offense, but you uh, you, you kind of cut your teeth on both sides of the ball as a uh, coach. Uh, that's awesome to hear. You know, it's I think it's uh, Bill Belichick when he brings in new coaches, whatever side they prefer, he always has them coach on the other side just to get a feel for you know a more it, to be a little more intimate with either side of the ball and you know kind of know what you're doing and know how when you get back to where you're comfortable, how other guys want to come at you. So uh, that's cool to hear. Um, getting back to Maslin, you know, your first year. You went four and six, just mm-hmm. missed the playoffs, and kind of trying to wash away the last regime. Uh, how much did your experience at LaSalle, like you said, you went three and seven and kind of a broken team? How much did that experience there help you here? Uh, I mean, a ton, a ton, um, and, and and even at. At Minster, I mean, there are things that were broken in that program, but at the time, I didn't really realize it as much. You know, I, I, you know, I was learning everything on the fly. Looking back, you know, I can definitely see those things, and you know, luckily, I had a great model in Jim Place, and so there are things that I, I was doing 
that I think were fixing those things, and I didn't even realize it. It wasn't it wasn't intentional. Um, you know, after the experience, you know, going from thirteen to fourteen at, at LaSalle, and and really, you know, the second time through, really being being able to, you know, see all those things evolving, right, and and then leading into Maslin, um, I. I'll say this, it was, I didn't expect the same problems, right? The same issues, the same, you know, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a sick, the program's sick, you know, just like your, 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 you know, your, your body's sick and, and, you know, there's, um, you know, different symptoms, symptoms that, that, that you see. Um, that that are all symptoms of a sick program, and um, I, that third time going through it, I was able to you know see those things for what they what they were, and really um, mold the plan for fixing them based off of you know where this program was, you know, which is which you know uh, of course yeah, all the experiences in the past help with that, but yeah, I mean it, every you know. It, you know, it was a broken program. It was a broken program, and and uh, needed to be completely rebuilt from the bottom up. And uh, that's what we we've done. When when you first came to Maslin, uh, trying to look back to that first year, the coaching staff you had that year. I mean, how many did did you bring with you? Uh, did you bring from other places, and how many did you inherit? Um. How many coaches? So uh, Brett Cooper, John Cups, Terrence Roddy. I think I think that that's it. I think those those three that came with me from LaSalle. And then I was able to bring in that first year, and I'll say this: you know, um, Mr. Goodright, our superintendent at the at the time, was was unbelievable with helping me get the things that I needed, you know, to help get the, the ship straight. I was, I was able to bring in John Mazur and uh, steal him from from Jackson, and 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 really a, a huge huge hire for us. And he's a he's he's the best offensive line coach in the country. There's no doubt in my mind there. I think I think we have a lot of coaches that are you know in the running for that title, honestly. Uh, but John's John's phenomenal, and we were able to steal him from Jackson. John played at Bowling Green, was a captain for Urban Meyer. Um, his offensive line coach, Greg Stradrar, is the O-line coach at Ohio State. And all our kids are trained exactly the way um, the kids at Ohio State are trained. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. But we already bring John in. Um, kept Cale Miller. You guys had on the podcast. Another guy that does a phenomenal job with our receivers. Really, I mean, not just a great job um, as, as a – technical receiving coach which he's he's really good at also phenomenal with building relationships with kids which is really the, the core of what we do um kept in hack and brack i mean pretty obviously you know you interviewed all the guys and vetted all the guys but you know some guys are obvious you know you gotta keep this guy hack does a great job kept jason jarvis um yeah i think that's i think yeah um, and then, then just you know the evolution through the last four years, 
you know, bring us to where we are now. You know, J.P. Simon coaches our defensive line, former Tiger, is an offensive line by trade. And and I got, I got a couple sideways glances when J.P. came in and he was coaching our D-line. Um, but what a lot of people don't understand is, you know, the most important thing is to hire great people. Right, and they have to have some sort of football. I mean, you can't just hire some nice guy off the street, you know. But you, you need good people that are going to understand your kids, and then you know you can you can teach them to, to coach, you know, what you want, how you want it, you know, those things. And JP's done a phenomenal job with our defensive line, phenomenal. Um, Eric Copeland assists him, another former Tiger. Who, who came in last year to coach our fullbacks and tight ends, and, and I moved him over to the defensive side of the ball this year to assist JP, and that's worked out really, really well. He's done a great job over there. Um, able to bring in Spencer Lino, great former Tiger, All-American at Wittenberg. Um, coach our inside linebackers, brought Craig McConnell home from Jackson uh, last year. The coaches are outside linebackers and coordinates our defense. And we got Hack and moved moved uh, moved Jason Jarvis over to corners, which is which has worked out really really well. Um, so that's that's kind of solidified our, our defensive staff. Um, and then we have John Mazer at our offensive line and added Greg Dickerhoof um, as an assistant to him this year. Another former Tiger. Kale does our receivers. Um, probably the most interesting hire, who's a guy you should get, guys should have on, is Jared Troxler, if nothing else, just to put the Southern accent on the podcast. <laughs> if, um, if nothing else, I really want to learn about that lizard man that eats chrome. Yeah, yeah. It's Yeah, he's uh, – <laughs> you know, there's, there's things that are different down there in the south and, you know, wild, but – yeah, Jared and I we met. I was I was speaking at a Nike Coach of the Year clinic in Atlanta, and we were both speaking at the clinic, and, and we talked and kind of hit it off. And then his wife's from Strongsville, and um, situation where he kind of always told her, you know, if something something really good opens up, you know, up, you know, around that area, Northeast Ohio, then, then we'll move back. But I'm not. You know, not just going back, just to go back. You know, I've got too good down here. And um, I actually posted the quarterback job on, on a couple sites. One of them is Football Scoop, which is a, a site probably just about every coach in America checks at least weekly. Um, and he saw it on there and he called me. And, um, you know, that all happened pretty fast. I, I got him on the phone with, with Coach Mazer and, and we all talked. And, yeah, John and I just kind of look at each other like I, I, I think we're done. I don't think we need to interview anybody else. And, um, but just amazing how that worked out. How that worked out with you know how seamless it was to get him up here and and his wife now teaches in our district. She's a phenomenal uh, uh, teacher over at Whittier. Um, and and we added Dave Weber. Who's a former staff member and um, brought him back in and um, you know quietly one of the best hires 
Um, and, it, and you know, four years ago, the timing just wasn't right, but it was right, um, you know, the second time around. And Dave, he, he coaches our fullbacks and tight ends, um, but he he adds he he's uh he, he's he's our he's our guy that educates the kids on on what it means to be a tiger, right? Because there's I mean you guys know there's a difference between putting on a Maslin jersey and being a tiger. Those two things aren't the same. Um, and and Dave, you know, starting last year when he came back with us, that was you know. It is an important role coaching, you know, the fullbacks, tight ends, but it is a really important role in educating our kids on what it means to be a masculine tiger. Um, and he's done a great job with that. Um, and Terrence Roddy moved over from corners to running backs, which, um, you know, that's what he played here, that, which that doesn't, you know, that's not the end all be all, but it just kind of worked out like that. And um, our offensive and defensive staffs are, are – Excellent, you know. And you add to that the fact that our our athletic trainer was the head athletic trainer for the Washington Nationals for nine years and was in Major League Baseball for thirty. Lee Coons. Um, we brought Danny Studer back, right, and, and to be a strength and conditioning coach. You know. Meanwhile, you know we also have Rob Oviet who was a head football strength coach at the college level for 30 years, was the head strength coach, football strength coach at LSU, Kentucky, Washington State, you know, among others. I mean, top to bottom, side to side, I mean, it's a, it's, it's an unbelievable staff. And, you know, probably the best part about it is everybody's, everybody's humble. Everybody just wants to win, you know, and everybody has a great respect for, you know, the other side of the ball and everybody else on staff because it, there is so much quality there. Um, you guys got a lot of massing guys on staff, and like you said, you know, it's not just not not just that they're massing guys, but that they're very good at their jobs. Right. And you always hear from the community and stuff like, "Oh, we need more massing guys on staff, more massing guys." How much did you prioritize like someone being from Maslin or knowing about it? compared to like the rest of you know how good they are as a coach it was funny when I, I get I get um, I get phone calls from time to time usually at um, odd times when people know I'm not going to be in the office and um, I got a call I think it was after the mentor game last year and you know it, it yeah you know, people don't understand you know, the process that it takes to get to a certain point. And, you, you know, Craig's, you know, new here as a defensive coordinator, and, you know, we've got a lot of young kids, and it's a brand-new system and whatnot, so there's going to be a lot of growing pains. And, you know, we give up a bunch of yards and a bunch of points, and, and somebody calls in, and they're ranting and raving that, you know, they don't care if he's, you know, I, I, we don't need anybody from Massling. Bringing somebody that's good. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. Thank goodness we have both. You know, they they just weren't able to see that. Um, what was the original question? <laughs> <laughs> that how much you prioritize? You know, a guy being from Maslin compared to how good they are as a coach mm-hmm. in general. 
is there is there like a mindset that you can you can tell a difference between them um so i would say i would say this um you know i'm looking to hire the best coach that i can possibly hire um if they're also from maslin and they're a tiger you know then that's a definite plus you know that's definitely um something that i weigh strongly um, but it's it's definitely not the end all be all. The guys that we have on Stafford Maslin are really really good at what they do. So you brought up earlier, and I think we talked about it before on here, uh, Coach Weber's job, kind of teaching the kids about mm-hmm. the history of Maslin and what it means to be a Tiger. Um, why? What made you want to emphasize that? You know, because we played under a last regime where Maslin football didn't start before two thousand eight. So, uh, you know, why, why do you want to teach the kids about the history of the program? Um, well, you, you know, I, I think, you know, you have to find out and decide who you're going to be as a program. And I think some places um, you do have to kind of, you know, spin that you know, maybe out of nowhere, you know, and kind of, you know, invent something, right? Um, but here you don't, right? This is Maslin. And I, I think what you want to do here is you, you want to try to harness that. You want to try to get a hold of it, right? Um, and so... You know what, what do you do I mean you, you got to get the kids you got to get the kids into that and it's 2018 right and the last state title was 1970 right um, you know so how do you make that connection um, and so it takes it takes somebody like Dave Weber because I didn't play for the Tigers I didn't I wish I did I'm mad at my parents for not moving to Maslin, um, but I can't. I can't do that the way a tiger can, and so you have to. You have to have those guys there, and 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 you know, like I said, Dave's taking the lead in that. But you know, the, the kids learn those things from other guys by you know how they do the things that they do, and and you know how important it is to them, and. You know they're they're learning all the time from you know everything that they see and um, you know Dave does a great job you know with directly teaching the kids about that but you know you also have to have you know I think as many guys around as you can um, so that they see those things right um, and and so it's about you know um, you know trying to get the, the kids on board with. Um, you know, the magic that is Maslin. Yeah, definitely. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I heard something about our freshman team. They kind of go through meetings weekly where, you know, that they learn different types of things each week. Uh, one of them might be about the history of Maslin. Is that correct? Yeah, it's, it's actually Ron Schwartz that heads that up. And... I, th- I believe that's been going on longer than I've been here. I think that was already in place. Okay. Um, and, and, yeah, Ron heads that up. 
and the kid he he brings in speakers weekly. They have a you know it's not a sideliner meal, but they have a pregame meal at the boys club and. Yeah, he just tries to make it really special, and and he and he teaches the kids background information about, about Maslin, and you know he does some other things like he teaches etiquette and things like that. Um, it's a really really cool program for our kids. Yeah, I mean, I I first heard of it this year because uh, that wasn't something that happened, at least not when I was there. No. Maybe when they revamped the sideliners was that your your senior year or the year after that was my junior year that we switched and you know the juniors and seniors lost their sideliners that's that's crazy yeah yeah it was a it was a fun time in massive football history <laughs> a lot of memories yeah uh, they stay with you good or bad they they're there mm-hmm. um so i guess um well, when you said you're a big history buff, you know you kind of knew about the Tigers. Um, when did you first hear about them? What made you want to coach here? And when did you fully realize that we are a town full of lunatics that love our football team? Well, my my early football influence was my grandfather. My grandfather played high school football. He played at Lockland, and you know that's in the you know, probably the, the 30s, you know, and, and so, the, you know, there weren't as many schools playing football then, and, you know, everybody was, seemed seems like everybody was kind of on a more equal, like, like, like teams played, I mean, maybe just the population distribution was different, but, you know, teams played and were competitive with each other that, that, that you know, aren't now. And I don't remember if he, I feel like he, there was some, Mention of Maslin and some of the stories that, that he told. I, I can't, I can't say yeah, yeah, it was this story or, or anything like that. But I feel like that was a part of it. And then, you know, I, I get really other than that, I really can't even say, you know, when that first came into my mind. I know that when I was in high school, you know, like everybody else, our goal was to win a state championship, and and the terminology that we used was getting to Maslin, you know, that, that, that's how we referred to winning a state title or, or playing in the state championship game was getting to Maslin. Back when the games were held here and over at Fawcett, right? Correct. You know, 97, 98 seasons. That's how we referred to it. Um, and then, you know, like I said, I, I, I coached for Jim Place, and uh, everywhere Jim was – Middletown, you know, he always scheduled, you know, games with with Maslin at, at Chaminade. He scheduled games with Maslin, and um, my first year coaching was the was a year after a two year contract with Maslin at, at Chaminade. Um, and so, and and then just you know you. You know, once you start coaching and 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 you know, you know you know about Maslin, you know about even though I was in Southwest Ohio, you know about Northeast Ohio and Stark County, and and you know about you know the school to the east of us, and you know about Maslin, and um, so it was all just you know, I, I I don't have like one thing, but it was always just kind of there, you know. What was the second part of the question? <laughs> and. Kind of, you know, what made you want to take the job? Oh, 
Well, I mean, what would maybe want to take the job was, you know, I felt like if, you know, if I passed up on it, I would always regret it. Mm-hmm. And that was the biggest thing. Was there anything that caught you off guard when you got here? Or just maybe you didn't, something you didn't fully expect or prepare for that surprised you? Um, I, you know, I want to say, I, I think, you know, having Jim as a mentor and, and talking to him about the job, you know, before I took it, you know, I had about as good of a handle on what it was going to be like as you could. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, there's going to be so many, you know, so many things that you're going to experience that, you know, you, you know, you have no idea, you know, f- for instance, you know, my first year, we, we, we lost week 10. Um, and, you know, like I said, people like to call me at, you know, odd times when they know I'm not going to be in the office and leave, leave me messages. And I get a message from what had to be this, you know, sweet little old lady. Um, you know, probably a, a two, two and a half minute long message where she ends with, God will get you for what you've done. <laughs> and I uh, I get letters too. I get letters too. Um, never return address, never a name or anything like that. And I save all of them. I save all of them. I save every message. And, um, you know, and maybe one day I'll write a book. I don't know. <laughs> But you know, funny. Um, after after this past year's week ten, I got and, and she has a very distinctive voice. I have no idea what her name is. I have no idea what she looks like. Although I, you know, I have an image in my mind. But you know, who knows? I'm sure she she appears. She probably bakes cookies, you know, for somebody <laughs> every day. And uh, she sent me just the sweetest message, you know, after the McKinley game this year and. You know, she hopes I'm here forever and, you know, all those things. But, you know, same lady that, mm-hmm. you know, God will get you for what you've done. <laughs> <laughs> um, follow-up question to that. Has God gotten you for what you've done? <laughs> yeah. No, I don't, th- I don't think so. <laughs> no. All right. Um, yeah, that's... Uh, that's a real welcome to Masson moment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, that's that, that doesn't happen. But you know, if you, if you don't have if if you don't have the bad, then you can't have the good too. You know, you can't have it both ways. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I I take it in stride. You know, I I think I think to be a head coach, and especially a head coach here, you have to be really good at not caring what anybody thinks. Um, and and I do not care what anybody thinks, minus my boss Paul Salvino. Um, you know, we have a we have a clear plan. We, we you know we have a way we do things, and and everybody's not going to understand you know why we do certain things and whatnot, and and that's okay. You know, it's not their job to understand. All right, I uh, I, th- I think we got you know through your coaching history and you know what got you to this point um really uh, we tried to emphasize it as much as we could on here about how much the team culture 
is different, you know, from than what we knew. And you, yeah, you, you have that team above self. You know, everybody, all the guys seem to love each other. It, it's they really kind of embrace that whole team mentality. You know, there's no individuals on our team. Everybody loves being a tiger. Uh, how do you go about building that in a program? It has to be a part of everything that you do every day. You know, that's so that's the only way. You know, there have to there have to be actions and decisions behind it. There have to be consequences behind it. You know, it can't just be a, a you know a t shirt. You know, it can't just be a, a sign that's hanging you know in the locker room somewhere. I mean, it it just has to be real, right? Um, so. You know, similar to, you know, we get questions about, you know, why don't you line up this kid in the slot and, you know, motion him and, and, you know, use his speed and, you know, and, you know, you can't, you can't do everything and be good at it. I mean, it's impossible. You know, people think it's like playing Madden and you just, you know, just... You know, why can't you just upload Kansas City's playbook and just call one of those plays? You know, it, it doesn't work like that. Um, and so, you know, we want to be really, really good at what we do. You know, I think I think that's obvious from watching our offense. And I think it's the same thing. You know, when with program development, you have you have to decide who we are. Who 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 are we gonna be? Right. And, and that has to encompass everything that you do, or it's not real, right? If I say it's team above self, and yet my actions or the decisions I make don't reflect that, then it's meaningless, right? So it's, it's not just a slogan. It's, it's who we are, and, and that's why the kids buy into it. Um, so, I mean, I, I think... I think that's your answer. I mean, it just has to be a part of everything. Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like the team has bought into that. I mean, the different coaches that we've talked to, you know, just, just seeing the mentality of the team, you know, bottom to top, uh, including all of the coaches, it seems like you all work together very well. And, uh, I mean, it's just it's enjoyable to watch. We're excited for what's going on. Uh, I mean, it just it's really nice to see these things these things happening. And uh, so successfully, you know, it seems like you always, no matter what the team is, there's there's something you can complain about, you know, a bad egg somewhere here or there, and you just don't see that on this team. It seems like everybody's come together as one, and uh, I mean, it's it's definitely working out for us so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talked about being real, you know, mm-hmm. being honest and with your players, and you you come off as a real genuine kind of coach, you know, mm-hmm. like a lot of times you'll get coaches, you get like people ask questions you get like coach speak answers you know oh uh, and you, everybody knows what those sound like by now mm-hmm. and you you you'll give an honest answer if you don't want to answer a question you just won't mm-hmm. you know you said that before um i think what really struck me in that was the firestone game you know with, with a lot of coaches i would have thought you get like the you know any given friday speech these guys can come out and they can beat you but no you're honest with the kids and because they could probably even see it too. You know, Firestone, not a great team, and we just happen to have a historically good team. And so you didn't say, you know, like, oh, 
they can come out and you know finally put it together this week. You got to be prepared. You said no. We want to hang forty nine on these guys by halftime. Is that just who you are as a person, or was there like a a moment in your coaching career where you kind of picked up like, hey, this is what I need to do, or what? Man, getting deep now. I mean, I, I think yeah. I mean, at I, 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 you know, I I think that is you know who I am as a person. Um, but it, you know, having, having the courage to do something like that as a coach, you know, because that's probably counterintuitive to most people. Um, that comes with experience, I think, you know, um, you know, would I have done that eight years ago? I mean, I don't know, probably not. You know, I don't think I was any less genuine then, um, but I, but I think, you know, wisdom does come with experience. Not that I'm, you know, you know, some wise old, you know, guy that knows everything or anything like that. Um, but but you know, I I have been, you know, let's see, three years at, at Minster, two at LaSalle, and four years here. So, you know. Is that nine? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, math. Is that nine? Nine years? I think that's how that math works out. I mean, that's hard to believe, you know, for me. It, it almost seems like yesterday. But, you know, yeah, you know, nine seasons, that's a lot of snaps. It's a lot of ball games. It's nine. You know, every team's different, you know, and it's. I think it's been an advantage. It, you know, it wasn't, you know, I, I didn't set out to coach at three different places, be a head coach at three different places. But, you know, it, it it is an advantage to have gone through that, you know, those steps three different times now, and so I've seen a lot, and um, you know, I, I think I think experience has a lot to do with, you know, being able to make, you know, the right decisions, and and the right decisions don't always work out, right? You you can make the right decision. And it and it's a loss, or or you know it turns out different. But at the time, with the information that you had, that's the right call. Um, and to to understand that instead of always trying to chase, you know, what turns out to be correct, to make the right decision decisively at the time with the information you have, you know, I I, I think comes with experience. That's that's pretty awesome to hear. You know, um, kind of getting into more your not necessarily schematics, but more your coaching style. You know, you see guys like Nick Saban, who Alabama runs his defense, or say Sean McVay out in L.A., he's calling the plays on offense. And then you have guys like Bill Belichick that he lets McDaniels run the show on offense. Where do you kind of fall between, like, how involved you are in the X's and O's versus kind of giving that responsibility and delegating that to your coordinators and subordinate coaches? I think that's all situation dependent. You know, there's a a whole lot of factors that go into all those things. Um, and I'm not I'm not a this guy or that guy. I'm a, I'm my coach. Maybe this is my coaching philosophy when it has to do with that is to completely evaluate every situation and make the best decision based off of 
you know, where we are at that point and what's going to be best for us. And so, you know, like I said, when I was at Minster, the, the best call was, you know, at the time was to for myself to run the defense. Right. And so I, I called all the defense and then um, my first year, I called all the special teams, too. And, you know, was very active in the offense, was was very, you know, basically did all three game plans, you know, just because of, you know, that's what had to happen, you know, whereas now, you know, I have three coordinators that are really good at what they do. And the more, the more I let them go, the better we're going to be, you know, the more John Mays and, and Jared Troxler who are great at what they do. Um, the more they can run and, and you know, where, where, you know, you've got an offensive corner and he's calling the plays. And I try really hard not to do this. You know, and I used to do it a lot. You go jumping in on somebody and it, it, it just, it distracts the whole flow, right? It breaks concentration. And most of the time it's bad, you know? Um, there's a way to do those things, but but jumping in on somebody during a series, I mean, I think that's bad. I think that's bad, it, it, especially if you have somebody that's really good. And we have three guys that are really good, and so our situation right now is, you know, those guys call those plays. You know, I'm involved in the game plan. You know, I want to hear what's going on. I, You know, as a head coach, everything is – you know, final stamp of approval, but um, you know those guys run those shows and they do a great job at it. That's awesome to hear. Um, kind of in more practice, you know, you you were an offensive lineman, you were a defensive coordinator, kind of. Um, do you kind of walk around during practice and like work with different guys, or is there like a certain position group you like to stick around with, or uh, you know, what do you do during that? Um. You know, I'm always a man. A lot of times, there's program management stuff that is going on all the time. Um, and effort evaluation. Um, and 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 then you know your general evaluation of practice, so I can have conversation with those guys post practice on. You know, I'm not sure about what we're doing here. You know, maybe have you thought about this? You know, kind of see the forest. You know, instead of the trees, you know, I, I think that's that's an advantage to having a head coach that that is not on the ground floor, you know, as far as play calling. Um, so that that's that's kind of what I'm doing over the course of practice, keeping us on, you know, on pace. To you know, I do all the practice schedules, coordinate everything, all those things. Uh, all right, so this is a little off topic, uh, but uh, I feel like it it should be asked. Uh, you know, as the head coach, as the athletic director, uh, I mean, as everybody knows, Maslin's not in a league. So we're, whereas most teams only have to schedule maybe three, four, maybe five games a year uh, outside of their, their conference. You know, how tough is it to find 10 games? Well, I think we're pretty locked in with McKinley, but how hard is it to find nine teams that'll play you every year? Um, you know, usually the, there's just a couple weeks you know that are your tough weeks. You know we have we have a you know a good number of of um, traditional or recent traditional opponents that 
you know, I, I think we're in agreement on both sides that, you know, even when the contract's up, you know, we're always going to renew those, those contracts. Um, you know, so, I mean, it's almost it's almost more like as far as number of, of games we have every year, more like being in a small league, you know. Um, the thing that makes it different is, you know, where those weeks are. Yeah. You know, so most of the time those weeks for us are, you know, the big ones right now are four and seven. It used to be four, seven, eight. We're really tough. Um, so, I mean, you just have to you just have to put in work. You know, instead of just, you know, uh, you know, you turn the page on the calendar and and you know you, okay, here's our schedule. You know, it, it just you know, it's done for you basically. You know, we just have to work for it. Um, so, you know, I, I don't look at that as a negative necessarily. You know, we just have to go out and do some work and, and find games. And, you know, we'll probably always have, as long as we're not in the league, trouble finding a few games here or there. But like we said, week 10 is pretty much locked in. Right. And that's what we're here for. Right. So transitioning, I guess let's, you know, look at McKinley week. Um what was your first McKinley week like, and did you did you understand what that was going to be like your first year here, and how did it like? We all know what happened, but how was it the entire atmosphere compared to what you thought it was going to be? You know, I I, I knew about the Maslin McKinley game, obviously, and I knew that that was a big deal. You know, I did not know the volume of things that go on during the week leading up to the game. Um, so you know, this is a little bit cliche now, but. You know, it's like drinking out of a fire hose that first year. You know, it's just everything's new, and, you know, there's so much going on, and, um, you know, it takes so much of your time. Um, you know, it's it's a wild ride. It really is. Yeah, I mean, I remember as a player just the amount of things we had going on during that week, which, you know, the coaches were all there for. And then, I mean, I, I can only imagine how much more the coach has going on on top of that. So, I mean, I can imagine, you know, how much there is. Um, I mean, are you pretty well adapted to handling all of those kind of things now? Yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, you know, this is my fourth time going through it, you know, so there's nothing new. Um, so... Yeah, that's certainly you know from week two on and and, and or, or year two on and and really year three you know your third time doing anything mm-hmm. you know it, it's you know you have a really good feel for how things are going to go, um, so you know I'm not nervous at all from that st- standpoint going in, into this week, you know I know exactly what to expect you know there, there's certain things that I really enjoy there's certain things that I could do without but, um, you know. We want the kids to embrace it, especially the seniors. You know, there, there's only there's only you know one senior year McKinley game, and for these kids to you know have that at home is really special. You know, only only half of the Tigers get that. Um, you know, so you know I, I've always I want the kids to embrace it. I want them to enjoy it. We don't try to minimize the week. You know, we don't try to because you know. Who are you kidding, right? You can't you can't pretend that it's not a big deal or pretend that those things don't exist. 
right? Because then all of a sudden you walk out there for the game and you're like, oh, crap. Like, this is intense. You know, I want them to, you know, I want them to breathe in that intensity on Monday. You know, I want them to to swim through that all week, you know. I don't want that to hit them like a ton of bricks on Saturday. Yeah, so with all of the different events that are going on this week, um, I mean, there's a lot of different public events going on as well. Uh, what specific events would the public, you know, like to show up to and show their support for? You know, the, the Booster Club meeting on Monday is, is huge, 7 o'clock, the auditorium. Um, the band's there. The cheerleaders are there. I mean, it's more pep rally than Booster Club meeting compared to the other ones. Um, you know, I think people will enjoy that. Um, all the seniors will be there. The coaching staff will be there. And, you know, that'll be a good time. And then there's a touchdown club meeting on Tuesday, 1130 at the Eagles. I think the meal's $12 on Tuesday. And same thing. I mean, it's band cheerleaders, more pep rally, you know, than meeting. Um, but, you know, it'll be fun, you know, for for the, the, the masculine faithful. Um, so those are, those are the two big things. There's the, there's the open house Thursday evening, um, which is really cool. Um, so I think it's 7 to 8. I think there's a band concert at 7 o'clock every year. Um, so you can come walk around the high school, go to the band concert, and um, you know the the, the students. They're right now they're decorating the the high school, and, and you know floor to ceiling. You know the the pep club. You know is is constructing these um, posters all year long. Yeah, you know, they start the day after, maybe not the day after, but they start the week after McKinley week, making the posters for the next year. And it, you know the atrium is always unbelievable. And then, then just to see all the work and, and all the – I mean, it's it's just – it's unbelievable to see. So I highly encourage anybody that hasn't been in a while to, to come through that. And then we have the pep rally Friday at one fifteen, And then the parade Friday evening. Yeah, so and the bonfire, yeah. <laughs> you know, at, at the rec center. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a fun week. And, of course, let's not forget the tailgating Saturday morning. Saturday morning. Yeah. Got to show up for the game. Um, you know, those are all the public events, but mm. I think everybody kind of has their own McKinley Week traditions that they do themselves. Uh, do you have anything like that? You know, mm. like Jim, he watches Go Tigers constantly. Mm. I, uh, it, I'll play at a time or two during the week. Um, do you have anything you like to do just on your own with the family? Or You know what? We don't have any of those traditions of, of our own yet. You know, we are... I think we're doing it as good as we can just keep up with all the you know all the official things that we're going through and and then you know when when I'm not doing that you know I'm trying to get prepared to beat the bulldogs mm-hmm. and you know there's a lot of time that goes into that so you know it's just it's probably an 80 hour week but uh you know it's all worth it when the bell comes back uh do you have any kind of like your favorite memory of maybe not necessarily on the field, you know, for those 60 minutes, the three games and soon to be fourth game you've coached for. But outside of that, like any McKinley week memory that stands out to you? The McKinley week memory that stands out the most to me is losing the bell in 2015. 
That's yeah, that's, a, yeah, that's a pretty good coach answer. I like it. <laughs> it's brutal. Yeah. It's awful. That's. I've been there. Yeah. Uh, speaking as a guy that, you know, we, my sophomore, junior year, we never got it. And then senior year, we, uh, 2012, when we got that back and the, everybody stormed the field afterwards. I mean, that was, I, we get it, I guess is what I'm going for, you know? Yeah. Yeah, win or lose, it's it's equally as big of a memory. You yeah, know? so you just got to make sure that sure. you're on the right side of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. probably the the second best memory is when we got it back, and you know, hugging players, you know, as as you know, and you know, you know, people, I I you know, we beat McKinley, got the bell back, and there's people that are mad at me. Because the kids sprint across the field to go get the bell instead of going to shake hands. Um, <laughs> and I get it. But those kids, man, th- th- there's so much emotion. Um, and uh, uh, when, when they bring the bell back and, and you're embracing and the, the, the kids and they're crying. I mean, they're, they're, they're bawling their eyes out after a win. I mean, that's special, man. You don't you don't get that everywhere, and you you know not to not to insult anyone, but if that upsets you that the kids are running over to the sideline to get the bell, then you just don't get it. I, I guess it's one of those things that you have to be a part of and experience it yourself. But you just it, it's a whole different thing, like you said. You know, yeah, I think there's a mutual respect between teams, and that that's kind of been almost traditional. Yeah, that if. You just won the belt back. You kind of go and get it. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen them do it. We've done it. Um, and I think, you know, we lost to McKinley my senior year. I don't remember if we shook hands or not. If if we didn't, it, it's not that big of a deal. You know, yeah. it, it has nothing to do with sportsmanship. It's, it's just kind of the way the game goes. Yeah. It's our, it, it's like you said, it's an unspoken thing. You get it, you know. Um. I, we're gonna do like this is a special week. We're gonna have a different episode where we kind of dive in the more McKinley X's and O's, but just kind of going over it now. Is there anything about this McKinley team that kind of stands out to you? Um, senior quarterback, you know the Curtis kids, very good quarterback, uh, makes a lot of really good throws. Um, you know, and and very good at running the offense. Um, you know, you can see that. Um, and, and then just defensively, um, yeah, there's just so much speed on the field. You know, they're odd stack now, and um, there's there's just so much speed on the field. You know, I think that's going to be a factor in the game, and um, you know, along with the quarterback, and you know, and he's dealing it to a lot of guys that can really run. Um, you know, so you know, those those I think would be the the major concerns personnel wise. Like you said, they're in an odd stack. And I think week two against Glen Oak, we kind of gave the formula of why you shouldn't run an odd stack against us. Uh, is there anything in particular that they've shown or maybe you think they're going to show that will be a change-up that will be able to stop us mm-hmm. on offense? Um, not, not stop. Not, yeah, They're not going to stop us on offense. That maybe will be better at trying to stop us on offense. You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, 
people's mo you know most most of the time as we've gone through the season has been to try to load the box and you know how you would do that from that front would be probably a double eagle um you know cover everybody up and um you know they're 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 outside safeties are very active lead their defense and tackles and you know you probably insert those guys and go man coverage and you know hope that you can cover um so but you know we'll be ready for everything um and and you know just like every week you know we'll go out and 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 diagnose what they're doing and make our adjustments from there yeah, I mean, like you said, Hank, uh, you know, we'll, as we learn more, you know, we're going to do a separate podcast, uh, kind of breaking down the X's and O's more of McKinley. So, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to hold the coach to going over that today. Um, but besides that, I mean, where else are we going from here, Hank? I mean, I pretty much covered everything I wanted to right before we get to our uh, rapid fire segment. Uh, you got everything, Rob? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I can't thank coach enough for, you know, answering our questions and, uh, I, I'm tapped out for now. Yeah, I mean, just taking the you know the time of day to be here, it, it, I love it. You know, if you're welcome back anytime you want. I know sure. McKinley week, it's a little bit different, kind of having that extra day there, but you're welcome back anytime. Sure. Is there anything else you wanted to address, or I'm good. All right. Well, without further ado, let's get into it. So like we did with uh, all of our guests so far, we're just going to do a few rapid-fire rapid questions here with you. Uh, Non-football related, just going to spit them at you and see what kind of answer you can come up with. We'll go back and forth. Uh, Hank has a longer list than I do, so I'll see what I can think of on the fly. I'll probably recycle some of the good questions just to compare them. But uh, yeah. you can go ahead and start. All right. Uh, the one here who actually does the show prep and comes mm-hmm. up with different questions. Yep. All right. The first thing people notice about you. Height. Yep. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, would you rather your shirts always be one size too small or two sizes too big? Yeah, ten years ago too small, anymore too big. <laughs> you're uh you're a chicken wing connoisseur. Right. So I've picked up. What's the best chicken wings you've ever had? Ooh. Uh the old Irish. We're very, very good. Um, Willie's in Minster, if you ever have a chance to head out there or you're in that area, Willie's in Minster is excellent. Um, and and the, the Dark Horse is the Joey's Kennel Tavern. Their wings are now really, really good. All solid choices. I love the Kendall hamburgers. Yes, those are really good. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, you steal from me. <laughs> Is a hot dog considered a sandwich? Negative. It is two pieces of bread with meat in between. It's a sandwich. <laughs> and I will die on that hill. Okay. Um, do you know what a holdback guy is? Holdback? You, no. You see it in college sometimes. You know, coaches that get a little too animated on the sideline. Okay, right. They got a yeah. guy that holds it back. Uh-huh. Who on our current staff needs a holdback guy? Oh, heck. <laughs> Hex got the fire. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Get out of here. I'm running out. I wasn't prepared for this. <laughs> we only do it with every guest. I yeah, mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Chickens. 
I was trying to save that one. How many chickens would it take to beat up an elephant? Hmm. You know, when I was uh, an elementary PE teacher, um, I was doing a kindergarten class. Um, no, actually, it was like a field day situation, and there, we had tug of war, and and I I challenged like the whole kindergarten class tug of war, and you know I was just out of playing. You know, this was, was my first teaching job, and you know I was still pretty strong, and and I thought that I was gonna pull all the kindergartners, you know, down right, you know, right on top of each other, and it didn't go like that. You know, you, you had the kindergartners up, you know, mm-hmm. and, and there's mm-hmm. some weight over there on the, on the other side of that rope. And so I'm going to say, is this, just, it, w- w- is this just a beat up? Who can beat who up? Yeah. Who's got, how many chickens does it take to technically win the fight? I think, I think if you can get 20 chickens together in a coordinated attack on an elephant, I think they could win. With a game plan. Yeah. With the game plan. That's the changer right there. Yeah. All right. If you could only eat one type of food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Chipotle. It's solid. <laughs> Jim approves. Yeah, Jim approved. And I'm sorry. Do you want me to... <laughs> I'll, I'll finish rattling off. This is fun. Keep going. All right. I mean, all right. What's the last TV series you watched? Oh man, it's been so long. Um, I really don't do a whole lot of TV. Um, you know what I really enjoy? Did you ever watch? Oh man, what was the name of it? Deadwood, HBO. Heard of it? Heard of it? Never oh, seen it. It's outstanding, outstanding. This was in the time between. Between Blockbuster mm-hmm. and Netflix, remember when you were doing you did DVDs and they'd send them to you in the mail. Remember that? Yeah. And um, a coaching friend of mine, I was at CJ, and he had HBO. I didn't have HBO. He had it, and, and so and so I I did the DVD series and he sent one to me. You know, send him back, send another one. Watch that whole series. I think that's probably the last TV series wow. that I watched. Wow. But it's outstanding. You should check it out. All right. So Deadwood. Deadwood. Coach Moore approved. <laughs> okay. Uh, aliens. Are they mm. real? No. <sighs> Negative. Damn. What was the first vehicle you ever owned? Oh, man. Owned? Like as an adult? Or the first one you drove. Your choice. Man. So this is kind of a funny story. Um, my dad had, a, I want to say it was like an 84 Honda Accord. It was gray. Um, like, I don't know if it's, you call it suede, but you know, like that, yeah. you know, that type of material inside, yeah. you know, and, um, it was kind of being, I don't think he was really driving. It was kind of being passed down to, I have an older brother and you know, that was kind of the car that we were driving. And, and I played rec league basketball. You know, I was never skilled enough to play actual high school basketball, but played rec rec league basketball. And I played, I played basketball like I played football, you know? And uh, me and one of my buddies were driving to a rec league basketball game. We thought, 
right? We thought it was in Milford, and I, I knew I knew I needed to take 275, but I wasn't 100% sure which way, so we just guessed, and we guessed wrong. And we ended up in Indiana, in Indiana um, and the transmission blew. And this is before cell phones. <laughs> and so we're like on the side of the road, transmission's blown, the car won't go. It's, you know, it's dark out now and, and it's in the middle of nowhere in Indiana. And so we walk off the side of the highway, you know, everywhere's closed, you know, it's, you know, everywhere closed at six o'clock and I finally find somewhere that's open and they have a phone and uh, my brother was on the internet or something. And, and you remember when you couldn't be on the internet and get a phone call at the same yeah. time? Yeah. Right, and so you get that you get that tone that that someone's on the internet, and it was like three hours until we finally got there to somebody, and it was just ridiculous. <laughs> but that was the first car, and I destroyed it on that wow. trip. So, all right, um, I th- I think Coach Trox has kind of convinced everyone on the staff, from what it sounds like, about the about the lizard man down right. in Alabama. So, other than that, what's your favorite conspiracy theory? Man. I would really like the Sasquatch to be true, but I don't think it is. My brother believes in Sasquatch, um, and I would I would like to believe in Sasquatch, but how? I I can't wrap my mind around how there's no physical Some evidence. Proof. Yeah, there's yeah. no physical evidence, but I think that would be fantastic, a fa- fantastic discovery. I would love to be a part of that. I love it. Are they friendly? If if Sasquatch exists, it's most definitely not friendly. Okay. All right. There's no way. How many different states have you been to? Oh boy. You know, I don't have a tally. I would say probably about half. I I would guess twenty twenty five, something like that. Well traveled, solid. All right, uh, Rob, do you got any more? Because I got one left. That's all right. What sound does a kangaroo make? Yeah. Is that close? That checks out. I think so. Okay. Uh, yeah. Sounds yeah. about right. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I guess that ends the uh, rapid fire question segment and, you know, about the end of the podcast here. So, again, Coach Moore, thanks for being here. Love having you on. It's a good Pleasure. time. Yeah, really appreciate it. And uh, go Tigers. Beat McKinley. Beat McKinley. Beat McKinley.